Welcome to Teach Back Tuesday at Keep the Heart. It's entirely possible that there could be listeners out there who need this episode more now than when it was first published. Let's listen. Before our world ever heard the words COVID-19, people were passing away, leaving loved ones behind, stricken with grief and longing for comfort and relief. When you add the pandemic-related deaths to cancer, heart disease, accidents, and even more, you have a world that is either grieving or comforting someone who is in grief. How can we be helpful to those who are hurting? How can we really give comfort to grieving hearts? There are ways to be a blessing and not a burden. No one needs a miserable comforter. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. I am acquainted with grief, but it caught me off guard spiritually. I was living in that it will always be like this kind of a stage. You know what I'm talking about, where we really take everything that's going on in our worlds for granted. And so I was in that zone when my mom passed away in May of 2015. But little did I know that her passing would be a training of sorts for the next tremendous loss that I would suffer when my beloved soulmate of 35 years would be the next one to pass, just a mere two years later. I wasn't even recovered from the passing of my mom when my Norman got his cancer diagnosis. Two forms of cancer were just racing through his body. He had renal cell carcinoma and multiple myeloma. This was what we were told at our last oncology visit after we had had several. The oncologist looked at both of us with sad eyes and said, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. So we went home and planned what we called our last vacation. Interesting things happened on that final trip. The cleaning lady was finishing up as we checked into the condo, and so she took one look at my Norman, and then she pulled me aside, and she said, what kind of cancer does he have? I couldn't believe it. I looked at her and said, who told you he has cancer? She said to me with really sober eyes, I am a nurse. I've seen this before. And then she gave me her cell phone number, and she told me some things to watch for. She cautioned me to be careful not to have him in the hot sun too long because we were down in Florida, and it was Florida in August. And so she was really helpful, but I really believe God sent her. A little over two weeks later, my Norman looked at me with goodbye eyes, and he passed into eternity. My world has never been the same since, and I've learned the difference between good comforters and miserable comforters. Listen to what Job said in 16.2, Job 16.2, after his friends failed to comfort him with their words. I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. You know Job's friends meant to be a blessing, but they ended up adding to his pain and they won the prize. The prize was miserable comforter title. How can we be comforters and yet not be the miserable kind? A great place to begin is with the right perspective, and that perspective is found in Philippians 2.4. It says this, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Here's a short list of ways that we can look at this through the eyes of the grieving person rather than just our own lenses. Number one, don't be demanding. Now, what do I mean by this? Several examples. First of all, don't demand details. If it's not known publicly how the person died, then that means it's private. 
Sometimes death is by suicide or other very tragic circumstances. Do you really want to pry into that? No, no, you don't. Another area, funeral arrangements. Don't be demanding about the funeral arrangements. The funeral arrangements are up to the immediate family. Please don't insert yourself by demanding that they make the arrangements fit your schedule or your airfare budget. Think now. Here's someone who's in shock or an entire family in shock from the loss that they have to deal with, and now they have arguments about how to schedule a funeral on top of that. No, please don't do that. And by the way, just a side note, if you don't already have a designated fund, a savings account for funeral flights, consider it. We save up for other trips. A lack of funds shouldn't keep us from attending the funeral of a loved one. And finally, under number one, don't ask the question, how are you really doing? Unless you are a very close friend or family member and are ready to listen to pain. Consider the pain of the grieving person and don't demand anything from them. Number two, in a way that we can help, limit your comments. Limit your comments. Proverbs 10:19 reminds us that in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. This is especially instructional when it comes to knowing what to say and how much to say to a grieving person. This is another way of saying silence is golden. Even if it sounds good in your head, the fewer words, the less likely we are to say the wrong things. And whatever you do, don't show up with memorized platitudes. Oh, I'm pleading with you, please, no platitudes. A platitude is a worn-out statement that may sound even spiritual, but it's not necessarily thoughtful for the time. Even if the statements are true, they don't necessarily need to be uttered right then and right at that point in time. Here are a few examples in case you're not clear on what a platitude is. Here's one. She's in a better place. She or he is in a better place. Now think about that from the perspective of a husband who has just had a wife pass away and now he climbs into his bed alone. If the last thing he heard was, she's in a better place, do you really, really think that's comforting at that moment in time? Here's another one. Heaven is getting sweeter. I really, really can't tell you how hard it is to hear things like this when the people who are grieving are thinking in other terms. You realize, don't you, that the people left behind are not in heaven yet, so it's not sweet for them. That doesn't mean that they don't agree that heaven is sweet. It just means that they don't agree it's sweeter for them. Now, if this sounds selfish to you, I'm going to guess you haven't lost anyone close enough to you yet. Here's another one. He or she is not suffering anymore. All right, true, but not necessarily helpful in the early stages. The loved one that passed is no longer suffering, but the grieving are in a stunningly painful place, even if they know Christ as Savior. We have to go on, and that means that we're going to go on with a transition that's extremely difficult, and we're going to suffer as we adjust. So be careful with statements like that. When you don't know what to say, it's okay. You're not the only one. A silent hug and not the gripping look deeply into my eyes hug, but a silent heartfelt hug followed by I'll continue praying is enough. And finally, number three, Ask to help, but don't stage a takeover. You know, there's so many things to consider under number three because people want to help. This is a huge blessing, but it can become a huge burden. So ask to help, but don't be the takeover artist. In the early days, there may be too many cooks in the kitchen, and you, you, re- you realize this, and you probably recognize this. If you ask how you can help and the grieving person says, I really don't know, 
don't press them. Just be practical and provide for some obvious needs quietly. Also consider that if you're coming to their funeral from out of town, ask them if you're supposed to stay in their home. Don't assume that this is fine. Until you've experienced your own turn with overwhelming grief, you may not understand how valuable a little blank space is in the day. It's not normal to have a mob around 24-7, and it could add to the stress of the loss. The grieving person needs to be able to say when to come and when to go. And finally, keep this in mind. You may be the second string. Help when everyone else has gone away. I can't tell you how many times people jotted notes that came weeks and even months after my Norman's passing. Some people even send me notes on his birthday. Every time that happens, it's meeting a need that I didn't even have a chance to pray about. Because I can also tell you this, every single card had some kind of little love token in it, either cash or a gift card, and it met an immediate need. Here are some ideas for tangible help for the second string, but you'll come up with more on your own. Gas station gift cards. The person may be driving more than before. They may have more errands to run or more things to tend to. Nice if they have a gift card and they could just go gas the car without thinking about it. You could also throw a car wash gift card or bundle into that as well. Have you ever thought about giving a gift card to the repair shop for their car? They may have, of course, something break on the car in the midst of a trial because that's generally how things work. It's a really, really thoughtful gift. If you can afford to do that or if you know someone who owns a repair shop that would write a gift certificate that you could give them, it's a very thoughtful gift. And of course, we know that grocery gift cards are thoughtful. They're really helpful and a person may not feel like going to the grocery store in the early days. So it's really neat if later on they've got gift cards to a grocery store that they can go and pick up some things without having to even think about the budget. Have you ever tried giving a meal service? Meal delivery services are helpful to people who really maybe don't even cook that much. Something like Home Chef or Blue Apron, that might be really helpful if you're giving a gift, say, to a widower who is used to having someone else cook for him. And then any kind of delivery service is also a good idea. Instacart is a favorite of mine, but you can even give Instacart to a person as a gift, and then they can choose the grocery store that's going to deliver their groceries to them. But you know when all else fails, cash or a check in a card with a very brief note that lets people know they haven't been forgotten. These are just suggestions on how you can help when things quiet down again. Help prayerfully because God will give us really a lot of direction if we will pray first and then he'll make us alert and sensitive to ways that we could never think of on our own. Now we understand that giving people cash and gift cards won't take away their pain. We know that. We're just trying to provide comfort in the form of useful assistance. The deepest comfort really comes from God and his word. But when people are sensitive and thoughtful, they can also provide comfort for grieving hearts. Psalm 119 verse 50 is such a good reminder. It says, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. God is the ultimate comforter. We're just his delivery people. Let's do our best not to become miserable comforters. Let's provide the kind of comfort we would love to receive. You've been listening to Francie Taylor. For more from Francie, visit KeepTheHeart.com for devotionals, books, and the popular Bible study series, I See You, In Christ Unconditionally. I See You is flexible by design and encourages users to develop the habit of daily Bible study. 
Visit keeptheheart.com today. Thank you for listening.